In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Our Lady, seat of wisdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I felt as a child. I thought as a child. Now that I've become a man, I have put away the things of a child. These are words, my dear friends, from today's epistle. These words allow me to speak of the importance of uh, the vocation of being a man, a Christian, a Catholic man. Yesterday we had the men's meeting and we had we have little attendance. I, I, I'm sure that it was partly because of the weather. But uh, this men's meeting prompted me to start thinking about how fitting are the words of today's epistle and gospel to speak particularly to the men. If you know me a little bit, you know that I do this sermon probably every three months or so. But it is very important. It is very important because many things rest on the shoulders of men. Now, as I preach to men, however, I think this sermon can also be applied by, by women. You can apply it to yourselves. Remember that the Bible, this is something that many people don't know. At the beginning of the Bible, when God is talking to Adam and Eve, God says to men, you will be vir, which means uh, a man. You will be vir. And then to the woman, he says, you will be virago, which is a way to say you will be following men. You will be behind men. You will be emulating his virtues, his strength. So the things that I say for men apply for women as well in its due proportion. I guess to go straight to, to the point, the first question that we need to ask is this. What are men supposed to be? What are we supposed to be? And to this we can look to the gospel. Think of what is happening there in the gospel. Our Lord is approaching Jerusalem and what do the apostles do? They say, we want to go with you to rule. I'm sure we're going there so that you can be the Messiah. We want to be in your court. We want to be wealthy with you. And even some of them ask in that occasion, they say, can we sit at your right hand? Can we be right there next to you when you're a king? And what does our Lord say to them? And this is a reply to what are men supposed to be? What does our Lord say to them? He says, Behold, we are ascending Jerusalem so that I can be crucified, so that I can be scourged. I will be crowned with thorns. I will be imprisoned. And then the apostles step back. Men are indeed to be other Christs. That's our vocation, no less, especially after the coming of Christ, especially after we have been baptized. There was a novel, a blasphemous, horrible novel that came out in the 50s, 60s. And in this novel, the author had this idea. He makes it where our Lord is crucified. And when the Pharisees come and say to him, descend from the cross so that we can see that you're the Messiah. In this novel, again, blasphemous, our Lord descends from the cross. And the author contemplates what would happen and this is a good question for us to ask. What would happen if our Lord had descended from the cross? If he had given away, given up 
his saving mission. Well, my dear friends, today we see what would happen if, in a certain way, because that is exactly what is happening to men. We are called to be other Christs. We are called also to be crucified. And because we are called to be other Christs, we're called in a certain way, you could say, to save the world. That's an exaggeration, one might think. No, it's not. We're called to save the world in union with Christ, participating from Christ's mission. And these are the words of the apostle himself. The apostle St. Paul says, I fulfill in my body that which is lacking of the passion of Christ. And the apostle also says, I live not I, but Christ lives in me. We as men are called to be arms of Christ, to be extensions of Christ, to be other Christs. And in as much as we give away that vocation, in as much as we are unfaithful to our duties, in as much as we don't follow Christ, we cease, we stop, we don't save the world. You can see this through history. Look, for example, at the, this is not Christian even, but look at the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is this kingdom, this, this people, and they get to conquer the whole of the living world at that time, the whole of the known world, I should say. How? Through discipline, through courage, through militancy, through strength. When do they fall? They fall when men say, we're going to be comfortable, we're going to stay at home in our parties, in our drunkenness, send the mercenaries to fight our wars. We're going to be in pleasures. And then the whole empire crumbles. They forget, they forgot their vocation. They did not save their world. Look at what happened in Protestantism. There was a few, Luther, Calvin, in Germany, in all these places. How many priests were there? Hundreds? How many bishops also? Hundreds? How many stood up to them? How many of the noblemen of the kings stood up to Luther or Calvin? Very few. And Protestantism took over. And you see the disaster that it has caused spiritually for 700 years. Look at England. England. How many bishops were there in England? 70 dozens of them. Not 70 dozens. There were dozens of them. How many priests were there? Hundreds. How many resisted Henry VIII? Two bishops that we know of. They stepped down from the cross and the world was not saved. Look, for example, at the persecution in Mexico. 1920, 1917, communists take over Mexico. They steal the churches. They kill the priests. They kill the Christians. How many men stood up to fight for their faith, to defend their beliefs, to defend their families? I would say, and it's, I'm throwing it really high, maybe 3% of the whole country. 3% of men. The rest of them were idle, coward, lazy. They said, I want to keep my home. I want to keep my job. This is too difficult. This is too extreme. They, say they descended from the cross, and the world was not saved. Look at Vatican II. 
Vatican II, 1962-1968. How many priests were there alive at that time? Thousands? How many bishops were there in Vatican II? Hundreds. And you might say, well, maybe in Vatican II they didn't see what was going on, but then they came back to their diocese and they received the documents and they could read that there was heresy there. And they said nothing. And they were commanded to do things against what they had always taught. All their lives they have been taught. You cannot put the blessed sacrament in someone's hand. No one can touch it by you, but you. All their life they have been taught. No one can be saved but inside the Catholic Church, not outside of it. And now they're receiving orders to do the exact contrary. And against their conscience, no one stood up. No one said anything. They all said idly, idly. Because I want to keep my diocese, I want to keep my parish, I want to keep my comfort. They descended from the cross and the world was not saved. How many resisted? Three, four bishops perhaps. A few hundreds of priests. The point to be made, my dear friends, with this historical review, you could say is that when men abandon their vocation, when we descend from the cross, the world is not saved. Consider this. How different would history be if only a few more had stood up? If only, instead of two bishops in England, there had been 10 or 12 resisting Henry VIII. Perhaps England would be Catholic. Millions of people would have been kept in the faith to this day. But they didn't. Perhaps if in Mexico, instead of 3%, 10% had risen. And, and the wealthy men would have said, we support you. And a few more men would have said, we fight with you. And the bishops and priests would also have supported them. Perhaps Mexico would be a Catholic country right now. Communism would have been expelled from the country. You would have no drug cartels. You would have Catholic schools. You would have people that are prepared. But they failed. Men failed in their vocation and things fell. Think of Vatican II. If only a few more men had stood up. If only a few more bishops had resisted openly. Perhaps we would see ourselves today in a Catholic world with a Catholic Pope, with dioceses all over the place, with priests and parishes. Why don't we have that? Because men failed. Men were cowards. Men were lazy. They were comfortable. They came down from the cross and the world was not saved. See then how much power you have in your hands, what, how high your vocation is to, what, to which God has called you. Think of what the day when you die and you're in your bed in the hospital 60, 70 years from now. Will you look back to your life and see that you have done nothing? Will you look back to your life and see 60 years, 50 years, what did I do? I watched TV, I played video games, I spent it in sports, I spent it in money, I did nothing for the world. I was, what St. Paul says, I was a child, not a man. And this is where we go back to the epistle and the gospel. 
The apostle is telling us, I was like that as a child, but as a man, I must be different. As a man, I have a different mission. What mission? Christ shows us to us. The mission to go up to the cross. You will not be judged just by your personal life. We often think this. I think I will be judged by, you know, whether if I prayed the rosary or not, or if I went to mass or not, or if I did this or not. God's going to judge me for my own life. But think, is it not true that God will say to you as well, this is what I made you for, to make that change for the future. Your actions as a man here were supposed to change the future. You were supposed to stand up in here, to defend your faith, to teach people good morals, good teachings, and then hundreds of people after that would have been saved and received benefits. But you didn't. And so God might judge us, I, I dare presume, that us men, we will be judged by God not only for what I did in my personal life, but for the changes I did not do, for the future I did not cause, because it was in our hands. We are responsible. We are the ones with the burden. We are the leaders, and we have that responsibility. And so what are we supposed to be? The apostle speaks of it in the epistle. What are we supposed to be as men? We're supposed to love with a manly love. What does that mean? Sacrifice. We're supposed to save people around us, to teach them the faith, to bring them to goodness, to the sacraments, to mass, to the true church, to lead, especially leading through the cross. And that is what our Lord calls us to do today as well. As we prepare for Lent, and this is a good resolution for us men to have, as we prepare for Lent, let us draw closer to our Lord Jesus Christ and embrace that vocation. Our Lord Jesus Christ comes to you and says to you what he said to the apostles. Behold, we ascend Jerusalem. We ascend to be crucified. You with me. I come to the cross and I call you to it, not to be idle, to be crucified, not to be in spending your time in money or sports, to be crucified. I called you to the cross so that you can save the world with me. That is what I'm calling you to do as a man. And that is a beautiful vocation because it is meaningful and it changes the world. That is the reflection that we have from today's gospel. But as we prepare for Lent in this way, mothers, who makes a man? Our Blessed Mother. We have recourse to our Blessed Mother to ask, us, uh, ask her to make us all true, good, Catholic men. But also you, mothers, also apply this to yourselves, but most importantly, teach it to your children. Make your children men. Challenge them. Make them strong. Make them virtuous. Make them walk towards the cross, not away from it. Make your children not part of the 97% that didn't stand up. Make them part of that 2% that will stand up to fight, to uphold their faith, goodness, Justice, truth, 
and holiness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.